0: Views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman,
1: and Ryan Williams.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan, following Everton's euphoric 1-0 victory at Goodison Park against Newcastle. United, Alex Iwobi, with the 90-minute-plus-9 nine? plus nine winner. The goal being the second-latest winning goal on record since 2006-7. 98 minutes, 19 seconds, behind only Bruno Fernandez goal for United and a win against Brighton in 2020. Tonight's match at Goodison Park had a little bit of football, a little bit of WWE, some blatant corruption from the referees. Couple political statements. We had bolt cutters and a sprinkle of goodison magic on top of it all. We'll go to instant match reactions in a second. Before we do, a reminder to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and review on your platform of choice and follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find all the links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And with that, away we go
1: over to Alex first. Yeah, I mean, the match had everything. It's just super exciting to get a win. We saw essentially the lowest of lows, and I think felt, even through the TV, the highest of highs. We absolutely needed the three points, and the players, the fans, um, the team delivered when we needed it most. What about you, Ryan? A
0: few things we didn't have. Uh, There was no black hat, I don't think, tonight. Um, (laughs) Someone said they found the Arteta money. I don't believe that's true, so I don't think that happened also. Um... Yeah, boy, that was uh, that was something, right? Um, yeah, that's uh, God. We needed it so badly. I mean, I'm still pretty pumped up, and I don't think it's the monster that I'm usually cracking open before one of these. I'm fired up. Um, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, I'm, I got all the energy now, man. Let's let's just rock and roll.
2: I am so ready to rock and roll. Feels like we've been so overdue to talk about a win, and we did have a few score predictions from our Discord. We had SCon, Wisconsin Toffee, and pat myself on the back. I got my score prediction correct, although I kind of cheated because I gave a head prediction, which was a loss, and a heart prediction, which was a 1-0 win. Always go with your heart, folks. Always go with your heart. Electric performance. We'll get into all of the happenings on the pitch because there was so much. There's just chaos, fouls left and right, a lot of stuff going on. But before we do that, let's wind it back to about an hour before kickoff and talk about the lineups and a little bit of the tactics. We'll go to Ryan to talk about Newcastle. I wasn't sure exactly how they were going to set up because they were so packed in against
0: City, uh, playing 4-5-1, but Eddie Howes almost exclusively played 4-3-3 since he's been there. A um, couple little changes. I mean, Alan St. Maxim's still kind of fighting back from from injuries. Um, not surprised to see him on the bench, but I think that was probably a good thing. Uh, Guimaraes was in instead of Shelby. John Joe Shelby has kind of had a bit of a renaissance in a midfield with Willock and uh, Joe Linton, of all players, have been playing more... It's almost like a, an eight. Um, he was a lot better as a second striker when he was in Germany. So, I, you know, Newcastle has been trying to shoehorn him into like a target striker role. And they've been playing really well. I mean, they're certainly in form. Um, you saw a little bit of it tonight. You know, they they play behind the ball a little bit, but they're still pretty fast when they got it. So it's still an Eddie Howe team. But I think the composition of it makes them pretty, pretty tough to play against. And sure enough, they went to back to the 4-3-3 um, I don't know if that kind of threw us for a curveball. I don't think so. I think you got to assume they were going to play the way they were. Um, definitely had some changes on the Everton lineup side, though. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, so we actually had, uh, for numerous reasons, right? So Pickford and Donnie Vandebeek both dropped out of the 18 due to sickness, apparently. John Joe Kenny, naturally, um, he had a red card last match. And then Mikelinko also dropped out of the starting 11. So Begovic, Michael Keane, Alex Iwobi, of course and Alon all come into the starting lineup, DCL, a good appearance on the bench for him, and obviously physically off the bench, which we'll talk about later. Um, The confusing thing was essentially the system. It definitely looked like on paper we were going to go with the back four finally. But Ryan, why don't you give us kind of the lowdown of how it ended up looking?
0: Well, I was guessing as well as you were. I mean, I wasn't sure if... Maybe we would play wingbacks, you know, and Woby would play wing back um sometimes the app up front people kind of give pictures out on Twitter or whatnot as to what the lineup is, and it's normally never right. I uh, shouldn't say that, but often it's not it looked to me like a four two three one um it was pretty compact at times, and we were playing out of the back, which is maybe a little bit risk-averse, I thought. And I, I think it made made things more difficult in the first half than maybe they should have been. What I thought as a feature tactically that was an idea, although probably a problematic one, was Gordon was tucked in in the 10. Now, I, I don't think if I'm going to play Damari Gray, Anthony Gordon, and Alex Iwobi in the three behind a striker, I think I'm going to put Iwobi in the middle because I don't think those other two guys are... They tend to get their heads down a little bit and get a little dribble-heavy. The biggest issue was, though, Gordon, it looked like when we were defending, was almost man-marking Guimaraes. And while I get that, it's certainly a way to disrupt what Howe wants to do, uh, because he had been playing a lot through John Joe Shelby. So that's not an insane thing. The problem is, I think it really left almost a virtual two-man midfield. And and DeCorey and Alon, I thought, struggled with shape in the first half got bypassed. I think in the second half, they were a little better and a little better and more staggered. But but we saw a little bit of the stuff we almost saw with Rafael Benitez at times where Alon would almost over pursue all the way to the wing, often on Gray's side because they're attacking down that side a lot. And Gray is not the best defensive player. And you had basically the wide mid on the backside had to tuck in deep, which also made it really hard to kind of transition into the counter and we were playing behind the ball a lot. That's at least what I saw. I don't know if you guys saw anything differently, but there, I, I thought for sure there were some problems with it in the first half. And, and you can see when we look at the average positions, Alex, awobe looked like he was kind of on an Island and, and, you know, Seamus was definitely not pushed up as high. He was very hesitant except for later in the second half to push, push up. And, um, Newcastle were, were, Pretty compact, too, so it just kind of made for an ugly kind of battle
2: right down the middle of the pitch often. Yeah, and we'll talk about it in the timeline, but I think the front... Well, when you're looking at Richarlison leading the line, and then those three guys behind them, as you said, Ryan, there was a little bit of fluidity to it in that the players were kind of given free roam, but it was clearly Anthony Gordon in that central area, and I don't think we saw his best performance tonight. But yeah, if you look at the average position, I mean, Newcastle have... Like you said, compact, but they have good spacing. They have a pretty clear shape. Everton end up with this interesting little cluster that is uh, Richarlison, Anthony Gordon, and Damari Gray all kind of on top of each other, I think, because they were switching around quite a bit. And then the back line, obviously, you end up with Alex be kind of isolated with Seamus Coleman behind him. And then you've got Ben Godfrey actually pushed up higher than Seamus Coleman on the left, and you see that how that played out because we did end up attacking predominantly down the left-hand side. Uh, with 52% of our attack, which is extremely high, maybe close to our highest this season down the left, only 27% down the right, talking about how isolated Awobi was, didn't get the ball a whole lot. Meanwhile, on the other hand, Newcastle coming down their left side as well, so down our right, and looking to uh, to pressure in those wide areas. But they were much more balanced, 41% down the left, 33 down the right, and 26 down the middle. Um, and then you look at how the shots kind of broke down um I would say relatively even in terms of distribution, if not quantity.
0: Certainly they had some better chances early, but about half of the shots they had over half were outside of the box. We had fewer outside of the box. They had more in general. It wasn't a game full of all sorts of creation. We'll get into the timeline (laughs) because they had some early, but I think the biggest problem was if we're attacking 52% down the left side, then Godfrey is not, the greatest support in terms of attack down the left side, not really why he'd be in there anyway. But I think what was kind of compounding the problem was that Alex will was tucking inside a lot too. So there was just no, no real threat to be wide, right? And while Alex is good at possessing the ball and occasionally can play it by someone um, when he's on the right, he's not as dangerous in terms of dribbling. So I think it was that over compactedness that made it just crowded. And when you had, Anthony Gordon with his head down a lot and receiving a ball in the center of the pitch around a lot of people. He just didn't fare very well and and gave the ball up a lot. We'll get into the the stats later in terms of player performances. Um, But let's be honest, kind of getting into the timeline, I thought we had an okay first seven or eight minutes. But then, you know, we had that corner from Ben Godfrey. But other than that, Newcastle generated a bunch of chances right after that, some of which were very dangerous, I
2: thought. Yeah, you could tell coming out of the gate. I mean, I think the first thing you have to note, and the announcers were talking about it quite a bit, was just the insane atmosphere at Goodison. I mean, from Z-Cars coming on to the kickoff, you could tell, and there was so much made during the week about how critical this match would be, and the Goodison fans certainly brought their A-game. It was electric from the kickoff, and I think that really galvanized the team for the opening seven to eight minutes, and though it wasn't by any stretch composed or cohesive I think just by sheer like energy and adrenaline we were able to look pretty uh, dangerous and definitely the better side for that opening spell of play I think Newcastle probably the instruction was to try to weather that initial storm and then grow into the game and I think they did
1: exactly that yeah, I mean, Frank even said in his in his pre-match uh, press conference how important it was for the players themselves to start really fast in the first 15 minutes and get the fans on their side. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the fans were on their side essentially before they even walked out of the pitch, but it certainly helped, and, and it seemed like it was really propelling the guys forward um, and putting them on the front foot, to say the least. And you look at that header from Godfrey that Ryan mentioned. I mean, he got up in, like, sky
2: high, so... Just, I think the adrenaline was propelling us. I think that started to maybe wane a little bit, though. The energy levels and spirit remained quite high throughout. Um, Newcastle clearly kind of grabbed. <laughs> Ryan's shaking his head at me. I could not imagine why. But yeah, Newcastle. Alex
0: is supposed to bring up spirit first I'm sorry, of all. So you stole it from don't that. make
2: it any better when you do it. Well, we're no, bringing. Like the we spirit get multiple in. when there's a win. Oh, spirit. Continue. Sorry. We've got spirit. How about you? Go ahead, Ryan. Anyway, talking about the match, again, they definitely had a couple dangerous chances. And at that point, after we weathered that opening storm, it felt like we were very susceptible to just getting carved open by a couple passes because we looked very open once they were able to break through the midfield.
0: The fouls were disturbing, too. That was not good. I think from the 10th minute through the 41st, Everton had nine fouls, Newcastle only had two, and they had five corners. I don't know about you guys, but I felt... Very nervous at that point. Um, it was good that we had Godfrey in there, but you know we didn't have Dominic Calvert Lewin. Michael Keane was massive today on set pieces, and Begovic probably helps us a little bit in those situations. But that didn't make me feel any better. You know, I mean, didn't you guys have the feeling? And I just thought there were some breakdowns that seemed really big, like big breakdowns in the middle, made it way too easy for them a couple times. So I, I was definitely nervous. I mean, at the end of the first half, I mean the shots were six to one is that kind of how you guys saw it as well
1: oh yeah 100 percent. i mean it was it was pretty sloppy throughout the first half it was almost like unwatchable at times um but i will say and i got to give the guys credit right like throughout the first half really throughout the match even um you saw the wide players like doing their job defensively which as you mentioned like helps out immensely even though alon and Decoré was kind of being pulled all over the place um and I thought that, you know, they looked like they could at any moment get back into it. But, you know, to your point, with so many fouls, so many set pieces, we're still missing a lot of big guys in the box like Yuri Mina and Dominic Calverloon wasn't on at that point in time either. Or Rondon, as James mentioned last, last week. Um, so still, it was it was nervy, to say the least. Yeah, you're I- right, though. They still work, though, Alex. That's, that's, that's a really good
0: point. I mean, even though we were a little bit, as my wife might say, cattywampus, <laughs> oh, um, the effort was there. I would almost call it, not just effort, but...
2: Spirit? Hard work. Spirit! No! No, no not spirit! Well, I don't Stop know. I no, don't just, know what you're going for. You can't I'm just, just toss it toss it out there. But, I mean, I, I agree. I did, I did that. I agree perfect. with your point on set pieces, though. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. On set pieces, Dan Byrne and Chris Wood were terrifying me. And I thought we defended set pieces pretty well, but past missteps have really scarred me. And I just felt like... We couldn't afford to give too many away, as Alex said, because we just don't have some of those big guys in there that are going to be able to defend. And Newcastle, we're trying to hoof it, you know, free kicks, whatever. We just gave them too much around the box to feel comfortable. And I felt like, especially after we got carved open a couple of times by Fraser and the like, that a goal was kind of imminent for Newcastle because we were definitely on the back foot.
1: Right. And, and one other thing I noticed during, you know, all the set pieces and specifically the, the, the corners was the fact that Begovic compared to Pickford is a lot more comfortable coming off his line, I think, and coming for crosses. So that was good to see. That was a little bit comforting.
0: Well, he's almost as tall as the giraffe that is. I mean, Byrne is really tall. I mean, you know, some guys you look and say they're pretty tall and then you see him lined up in the line off set pieces and he's a head. T- he was a head taller than Richarlison. And Richie is not that short. It's just, you just don't see many guys quite that that big. And he's a good player, too. It was kind of a strange transfer, I think, to move him from Brighton. But he's become useful. I mean, basically, Lascelles can't play anymore, you know, because he just, he's been out of form. And um,
2: it is what it is. Yeah, and he's a weapon on set pieces. But we weathered the storm, so kudos to us. So, yeah, we get to halftime. As Ryan said, it was 6-1 to one in shots. We had four dribbles to their one. 17 aerials to 14 in favor of Newcastle. 12 tackles apiece. A lot going on there. Very physical. Plenty of fouls as well. And then we come out after the break, and I think during the break it was clear that something had to change if Everton were to get anything from this match, and plenty changed in the second half, not least of which was right after the half started. We had a guy coming on the field and zip-tying himself to the post of the goal by his neck. In order to protest against the use of oil, I haven't read the full statement, but there was some sort of Are you statement. Sure, that's what it was. Yeah, he said. I thought he was just insisted on set pieces that we should have someone on the post. And he was just upset about it. <laughs> Boo!
0: Get off what? the stage. <laughs> the literal twelfth man. Right, and, and we could have used an extra guy in there at that point anyway. Uh, what I'm curious about is. I mean, the whole thing was a debauch. How hard is it to cut zip ties? Seriously. I I have scissors I can do that with. Just get in there and cut the thing and get them off. I don't understand. It looked like someone jumped out from the Gladi Street and actually tried to tackle the guy because he was so ticked off at him, which I'm like, I know it's St. Patrick's Day, buddy, but maybe not the best tactic.
2: Yeah, you don't want to escalate that. And it went on for a long time. We This, this is the bolt cutters that I mentioned at the top of the episode. It look, They were saying. I thought they had. He had like police grade handcuffs or something that was like industrial steel. It's that, not.
0: It's just a zip tie. It looks like
2: a zip tie, but may, but like, it, it was clear that once they finally got him free, he was he was resisting. He was fighting back. So maybe he was like wiggling around so they couldn't get the bolt cutters near his neck without like decapitating him or something. But anyway, it was like ten to twelve minutes, and the players during this time, both teams end up getting a ball. They're just kind of kicking it around. Ryan, in the Discord, you were talking about, like, why aren't they going over to Frank and talking tactics? What's going on here? The whole thing, unlike anything I've ever seen before.
0: I, I was going to say what I really wanted to see happen was, I don't remember if you remember, many years ago in a, in a Brown steelers game, when the Steelers were just killing the Browns, a, a fan ran onto the field. Which, why would you ever do that when James Harrison is playing for the Steelers? James Harrison just picked him up and just slammed him on the ground. It's absolutely epic. People have put it to music and all sorts of things. But I I just, you kind of wonder, how the heck does someone jump out and zip tie themselves that quickly to the post? Like Begovich
2: had to be looking over at him like, yo, what are you doing, man? I mean, did this guy (laughs) have like, was this guy, was he outside his house with like a zip tie? Or like a lamp post or something, just like practicing the quick <laughs> zip tie around the neck. Like I and doing it behind your, your fault and like I, tying it is crazy. I can't fault the stewards. Yeah, I can't fault the stewards either because it's co-
0: I mean you could very easily walk in with the zip tie. I mean, you know, that's that's nothing, but I still question how hard it is to clip zip ties off a post. It- yeah, but I, maybe they didn't want to break the post. I don't I can't think of anything, but it was one of the stranger things I've seen.
1: And it was a red zip tie, right? Talk about F tie. Ugh.
0: The worst. Yeah,
1: seriously, man. You can't even get it in the spirit.
0: I mean, if you're going to say no to oil, at least do it while embracing the Everton culture. Because now I don't like that guy anyway. I don't care if he, what he was about. Freaking wearing red? No, we don't do that, there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just insensitive. You know, I don't want to destroy the environment. be very clear about that. So I'm, that's not a political statement. I just wanted us to play. Now, here's the question, though. Do you feel like
2: it helped us? It's interesting because both managers were kind of asked how they felt it affected the game. And I I'm inc- I think they both gave very similar answers, which I agree with. It's kind of impossible to say. We definitely looked better afterwards, but it's hard to say if that's directly because it was right after the break and Frank had you know made changes or if that weird spell where they could kind of get that extra 10 minutes of rest helped galvanize the rest of the performance. What do you guys think?
1: I mean, I'll say it helped us only because at that moment in time, Newcastle were on top. And obviously we came out and we looked a little better. I mean, it took a bit of time, um, to say the least, but yeah, it would definitely seem like one of those in which, you know, you, you let the game slip away at that moment and lose concentration and that's when it gets the best of you. So it was good to see at least that that did not happen.
0: I feel like a lot of people were putting stuff on social media, thanking him for helping us get better organized <laughs> and stuff. So I don't think it hurt. I guess I'll say it that way. Uh, Not sure, though. It's hard to tell. Um, But I I do think we were better organized and definitely played a lot better in the second half. Yet those first couple minutes were a little nervy. So I think it probably helped, um, I guess. That's what I'm going to say. And we eventually did grow into the match, I think, uh, as we kind of continued along the timeline. The first real chance I felt like we had, besides the header early, was that Damari Gray kind of where Coleman got forward, spun around a few times, and lofted a low, you know, higher cross in? Gray didn't hit that ball well, but it's not crazy to hit one solid off the half volley like that. It wasn't moving that fast. Um, that was a good chance, and we started kind of growing into the match. And then there was the Richarlison slamming into Burn. I, I, this is—he doesn't even look at the ball. He just goes in, and he does. I mean, absolutely hammer him. This is a chippy match, though
1: I mean, you can't blame him though, right? like Dan Byrne probably fouled him three or four times to that point i mean he was he was getting pushed around to say the least i can't I can't blame him one bit. well, the one time he went by Byrne, I thought kind of more
0: towards the sideline, and Byrne, and again, I have some sympathy towards him because I know what it's like to be a defender that isn't quick enough to guard quick guys and has to use your arms and you're bigger and whatever. He was trying to reach out and grab them with his hands and that's smart play, but it's irritating and they weren't calling it. I, I, let's let's be honest. I mean, the officiating I thought was completely inconsistent and the second half was totally different than the first half.
2: Yeah, he was, Pawson was letting basically everything go in the first half. And then all of a sudden, and I, I was saying this to Ryan before we started recording, it was like minute to minute. It was a totally different referee. Like one minute he'd let something go Next minute, he'd let a foul just he'd call it. I couldn't make heads or tails of what the heck was going on with the refereeing. I did see us, and fairness, flopping a lot, but the game did get incredibly chippy. Both teams getting frustrated, getting in each other's face, shoving matches back and forth, and I think the crowd kind of egging that on, that atmosphere in the background. You know Goodison loves a good missed call or a foul that goes unpunished. That really gets the crowd up and going, um, and we'll get into it in a second, but... It was only a matter of time before we saw one of the worst refereeing decisions of my life that I've ever seen in any sport ever. The play acting on our end really kind of needs
0: to stop a little. Bit. Richarlison does get kicked a lot, and he's been doing it forever, but now when you got Gordon flopping every five seconds when someone <laughs> breathes on him, I, I think we're probably getting a little bit of a reputation. I cannot believe, though, no yellow on Burn for basically forearm shiver on Richarlison off the ball. And yes, I get that the head referee's back was turned. What is the assistant possibly looking at at that point? I, I don't, I don't get that. I, I just no one saw that. I, no yellow. I, I don't get that at all. It just is totally incom- how I mean, it's in the middle of the pitch. We got one striker up there. Those guys have been battling. Richie already got a yellow for hitting them. This wasn't that long after that. I thought I, I, I that's it's just shocking. Like you don't even go to these. I like he didn't even say or went to the assistant. I mean, yes, he's probably talking to him in the ears, but it's like he just kind of moved on. Yet he'll call all this ticky tacky garbage and doesn't call that. I, I just, I don't know. It was very confusing to me, too.
2: It's a joke, man. And unfortunately, I agree that we're probably getting a little bit of a reputation when we start going to ground so easily. And I think in my mind, it's kind of a byproduct of just desperation. We're just so desperate at this point that we're trying to get calls to get balls, you know, free kicks around the box. Um, it doesn't It doesn't seem like it's something a team does when they're super high on confidence, but, of course, then you look across the park and you see a team that flops all the time, but they always get the call. That's the difference there. We never yeah,
0: get the call. They do. Gordon had, right, Gordon had one of those plays where he jumped in front of the ball and got knocked over, and it shouldn't be a penalty at all, but, I mean, if it happens to Liverpool, it's called immediately, which, right. yeah, it's totally inconsistent across the bar, and it's frustrating. I, I think... At this point, though, I felt pretty good. I felt like we were really starting to come along. The really only big chance they had was that play where Almiron smoked Ben Godfrey. In Ben's defense, there aren't many players with Almiron's pace, so maybe you underestimated him a little bit, and that's a dangerous thing. If you're a really fast defender, you want to use your pace as a weapon, but I think he was kind of relying on it a little bit too much. Almiron gets around him. Godfrey tries to take him down outside the box. Kind of whiffs. Almiron stays up. Plays kind of that very dangerous from the baseline diagonal pass backwards towards the spot. Gumari's is out a little bit farther. Flubs a shot. But Begovic made a fantastic parry. parries it just enough to get it where Wood can't quite head it in. Then we cleared it off the line. They called him offside. I don't think he was, though. I, I, I don't know about you guys. It was certainly close.
1: I thought that was yeah, it. Yeah, no,
2: man. it
0: looked like Godfrey kept him on. I it, thought that it was looked it. looked
1: like he kept him on at left back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that kind
0: of seemed like it could be the one. But then we, we really started growing into the... Richarlison got that huge foul in the 76th right on the edge of the box, which is just the perfect spot for Gordon, who then plopped it into the wall. Although, that being said, how unfortunate was it that Damari Gray got subbed off right before that? Because I, I like Damari's chances kind of from that angle. Um, but off the corner... Gordon had a great corner, you know, and, and you know, it came back out to him eventually and he cut inside and had a great, got a great shot off that was parried again for a corner. And I felt like we were really coming on here and I I liked our chances of maybe getting one. And then everything changed in the 83rd minute with, like you said, James, one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Alon gets a red card, takes down St.
2: Maximum. It's a, I I just don't, I, Go ahead. Let's be clear. It was originally given as a yellow, which was without question the correct call, goes to VAR, and then gets overturned to a red to, I think, pretty much everyone's disbelief, though. We were talking on the Discord, and it was like people were like, there's absolutely no way, but it's Everton, so maybe. And that's exactly what happened. Alon couldn't believe it. It is the most cut-and-dry tactical foul to stop a break, that you will see in the Premier League Aside from the ones where the guy just like grabs the guy's shirt And like pulls him down to the ground If that's a red card, then every tactical foul stopping a break Should be a red card It is a complete joke That that is deemed clear and obvious Error, malicious And An attempt to Sorry, I'll, uh, I lost my train of thought um
0: Well, what are you going to say? I mean, there's the studs aren't up So he's, it's not a dangerous play So what is the red card for? Everyone does that. You know, what I don't understand is anyone that's ever watched a soccer match in their entire life, a football match, whatever you call it, no matter where you are in the world, everyone knows what that is. It was tactical fouls, yellow. It wasn't a big deal. He takes the yellow. We move on. So why change it? I mean, you're just going out. It's like you're really going above and beyond to make a call and do something to change the outcome of a match. No one would do that. I, I just don't I, I don't see how that's not punishable. Like, how anyone in the PGMOL can look at that and say, that's okay. So, they better come back out and apologize to us like they did the last time, but they need to reprimand these guys. And, and
1: go ahead, Alex. Yeah, it's just, A, it, it's it's even more frustrating because the referee initially called it as yellow and then it takes four minutes to review it, right? Four minutes. It's sought it clear it just initially. Start- Right. No, I get it exactly. Um, and and there's that stark difference from City with the with the Rodri handball, in which the referee wasn't even called to review it pitch side. So I think the entire fan base is more so even upset at that point. Not even at the pro. At least from my perspective, I was even mad at prospective red card because I didn't think it was going to be possible. I was more upset that they were going to go review that instead. It it just doesn't make any sense at all. And as Frank said in his post match comments. How is that clear and obvious error? It's not. There's no way it is. But he also mentioned he is not going to hold his breath to see it overturned. What I
0: don't understand is that, look, you had a clear view on it. You know what it is. We all recognize what that is. Whose idea was it? You should take an extra look at this. I I have not seen a single human being out there, even a bot I haven't even seen on social media, declare that they really thought that was reviewable, let alone a red card. No one. I mean, no one. Even ex-refs, Tim Howard trashed it after the game, and Tim's pretty, you know, pretty neutral or tries to be. And Mark Clatterberg, I think, went off on it too. Everyone went off. How could? It? I just don't even understand what the logic is whatsoever. The studs weren't up, so I would love for them to come out and hear something about it. I think it's interesting. Note: Alon hasn't. Alon has had one red card in his entire professional career since he's been over in Europe i mean he started playing in 2012 over here in europe that was at Udinese in like 2013-14 season and i think it may have been a second red um but the the point is like he he hatchets people and he fouls them but he does not get red cards that is not a red card this after the city we had a lot of good listener comments i
2: think that were good
0: um James, you can hit the first one if, if you wanted to use it to satisfy uh, what Casey wanted you to do.
2: Yeah, SC Canuck at SC Canuck. No matter the outcome, that call was complete bullshit And it was
1: complete bullshit. Completely agree. Family show. You know he, he feels good after that one. I can see it. Oh, I feel so good. <laughs> we also had Anthony Eaton at NSNO67. If you call them out for being corrupt a few weeks ago for making poor decisions, then they will bite back. And for me, this is the bite. May be very true. Is that? Do you really think that's legit? You think that was part of it? I think I the shall referees but I, yes. are
2: incredibly defensive. I think they're defensive. <laughs> I love it, Alex. I, I, I've always been anti. No, there's no conspiracy. There's no, you know, premeditated motives. After today, I'm open to anything. Like anything goes. This was so bad and so blatantly, obviously wrong that I believe that there's an agenda in the PGMOL to get Everton relegated, and this was a part of that conspiracy. I'll go on record.
0: I just don't know. I can't think of a real reason why. <laughs> yeah, at luxury escapes by James underscore James. Insta handle at sav elise2014. His <laughs> what comment. Is that? Worse that it took four minutes at least. Yeah, that's even more amazing. You saw it, you made the call initially, someone else told you, even worse, he went to the monitor. Unbelievable. They never go to the monitor, right? No one ever goes to the monitor, and then they blame it on some anonymous source. He goes to the monitor, stared and looked at it. What did he see that he didn't see the first time? He knows what it was. So it wasn't like there was someone else there that didn't have the feel or the context for it, you know? Alon went to him afterwards, he's like, yep, I got you." tapped him on the belly, we're cool, he knows it's yellow, you know what I was doing, we all, yep, of course, yep, no big deal, yellow. No one was upset at Newcastle about whether or not it was yellow, because we've all seen it a million times. And then, only then, after four minutes of his own mind, determined it was a red. Who was on VAR? Because I wonder if it was someone senior that basically said, I think it's a red, you should call it a red. I just wish we had transparency over those conversations because I don't know who's at fault here, but that's an incompetent call and someone should be reprimanded for it. I'm
2: looking. I don't see it. I'm going to find it. I was it trying to find it, too. I couldn't find well, it. But, but we'll think, find it.
0: We'll I think find part it. of it, too, is like the accumulation of bad calls, and that's kind of Darren Stary's point over here at Darren Stary This season, Spurs, Brentford, Man City, Newcastle, Shelby Tackle on Gordon. Thankfully, this one didn't cost us any points, but this clearly
2: adds to it, does it not? And it very cle- it very easily could have cost us points. I thought that was it. Even And, and what was so frustrating, we'll talk about it in a sec. We were actually, and we talked about it, we were playing better. We were taking control of the game, and this just sucked all the air out of the room. It felt like, okay, now, now we're going to have to have our backs against the wall for the remainder of the match, knowing that there was a boatload of stop, stoppage time coming. We're going to have to defend, low block, just... Batten down the hatches and pray to get a point out of this match, and it was so so frustrating knowing that we were on the cusp of finally breaking through, and to feel
1: like the rug kind of got pulled out from under us. I mean, I mean, look, he's going to be out for three matches. In my opinion, it could absolutely still cost us points. I mean, he was one of the best players for us on the pitch today, without a question about it. So we, and and on top of that, right, injuries as well. So, uh, but. Fabian Delph I heard he's uh supposed to be coming back after the international break so maybe he can slot Our right savior. in fellas
0: he would help a little though at least keep the ball take a guess here I now know who the VAR official is it's not Kavanaugh but take a guess who it is who's been the most criticized and incompetent guy I'll give you a hint when he's on the pitch he looks like a deer in the headlights he has no personal authority whatsoever it's all, of all of them all of them Stuart oh. Atwell. <laughs> Stuart Atwell, I, I think they said was going to be on VAR. Joke. Which people Joke. have been calling from. He was in the middle for the Leeds uh, win over Norwich, and he mistakenly awarded that penalty to Rashika. I mean, he's been a disaster this year. Remember, Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, avoided the red and never got mad for his high challenge on Luis Diaz, and he was on VAR duty there. So it's. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, how many times did the same guys make mistakes? Are we, I know we don't have that many referees, but are we really, it's just so sad we can have a game and I hated their decision to let things go this year. I think it's been sloppy as a result. I don't think the play has been better. Um, but the VAR stuff has just continued to be an absolute atrocity, uh, before the red card, I think it's interesting. The numbers, they're pretty good in our favor. Um, 55% possession, 73 in shots, three corners to zero. We were only dispossessed once. We were taking better care of the ball, 3-1 to one in dribbles. You know, I How did you guys feel at that? I mean, I felt like the injustice was almost hard to believe, so it was hard for me to almost process. But I, if that doesn't happen, I think we're going to win the match.
2: I do. I really do. I think so, too. And it's, again, if it hadn't happened so many times in the past, I would have been even more shocked, but... Despite that, I still was just absolutely livid. I was screaming at my TV. It's not my most flattering moment. It felt like this is the this is the moment that we truly are like going down. Honestly, that's like the thoughts that were going through my head. It's like if this is the type of call, this is the type of stuff that's going to happen to us continually off the back of the Man City when we get issued that now meaningless apology. Then we're going down. Because if we can't get this call, then nothing's going to go our way, and it's just going to be a, a catastrophic run of bad luck. We're going to get relegated. Sky's falling, blah, 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 blah. We all know how it ends, obviously on a happy note. But that's what's going through my head at that exact moment. I was just completely, completely you know, broken up about it.
0: I, it's as big a bad decision as you can imagine. I. I what do you do if you're a lawn there? You're like, well, oh.
2: You get in the referee's face and you just so berate mad. him. You he get your money's so worth. Mad.
0: How many f bombs did that guy throw on the way off? He yelled at Mike Dean, who was the fourth official. He was so angry. And look, I felt the same way you did to an extent, but just so let's talk a little bit about the subs in the second half because I think the subs in many ways are, are the only thing that really kind of made this possible, and they were very necessary at this point. We kind of missed them, but Alan St. Maximin obviously came in for Almiron in the seventy first. That was. And not necessarily effective, but I get that's fine. I understand why it happened, but Dominic Alverloon coming in for Damari gray was definitely a bit of a game changer. Had it not been made before the red card, it probably would have been necessarily two to be made anyway, because the only way we were going to get really any chance, I think at that point was hoof it up to Dom and, and hopefully could hold it up or knock it down for a second ball because we we're going to have to play mostly behind the ball. Um, Gordon got a yellow a little bit before that, too, and that kind of concerned me as well because he's running around like a maniac, and you never know what's going to happen. They subbed out Ryan Frazier, which looked like—that's kind of a defensive move, I think. But anyway, um, and then Richie goes off in the 88th. Do you guys think that was fatigue or just maybe because he was on the yellow or just by nature of the fact we had to put more guy, we had to put someone in midfield with the lawn gone, probably?
2: Yeah, I think it's that last one. I mean, it's definitely fatigue a little bit. Richardson was running extremely hard and was all over the place tonight. But it was also the fact that I think at that point you're clearly playing for a point. You want to just shore up, put more bodies in the midfield, prevent them from really being able to hopefully break us down and give the guy a break because he, he definitely you know earned it with his work rate this evening.
1: And we, I mean, we have to keep mentioning the fact that he was getting literally assaulted by Dan Byrne constantly as well, so that doesn't really help. Oh, well, he got a couple cards tonight for that, right? Of course not.
0: Oh, no, 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 that's okay, you know. But, the good part about that was that, sure enough, in the 98th minute, justice, especially for our lovely African giraffe, Dan Byrne, was victim to Alex Awobi. Wild aid advocate, friend of the pangolin, who danced around him like the giraffe he is, and sure enough, Everton out of nowhere took the lead. This was as crazy and excited a play I've never been. I don't remember being this pumped up for anything. Just watching, I can't even imagine what it would have been like being there. Although I will say this, I was at I was sitting in the Gladi Street when uh, Baines hit that banger in extra time to tie it up in the cup, and that was similar. But this was just, I don't know how you guys felt. Like, I was so outraged already at the Elon moment. I just, I mean, I erupted. Apparently, I scared my entire family who were upstairs. My nine-year-old daughter, Joey, was like, Dad, I I was really kind of scared. I didn't know what was happening down there. (laughs) Uh, I was just sending out a litany of F-bombs to whoever would listen to it. Uh, I was so pumped up. I, I I don't know if it was just a sense of justice, but I'll tell you what. This was a really good sequence of events here, and what a fantastic finish and a capper, and it just couldn't have happened. I just couldn't be more happy for Alex Iwobi.
2: I mean, from the from some of the lowest of lows, like we talked about, the thoughts of relegation creeping back in to some of the highest of highs on this, and it is a really good, interesting build up and sequence of play Andre Gomez wins the ball back. Coleman, the ball gets loose. ASM's making a run for it. Coleman, who had another unbelievable defensive uh play in the first half, but this one just cleans him out again, lets the call go. Pawson, perfect. I think that's clearly not a not a foul. Awobi gets it. His first touch is sublime here. Just dances around that stupid gangly giraffe looking person. I won't swear again. He finds DCL. Dom up to this point looks pretty decent. First touch hasn't been great. Looks super composed. Lays it off to Alex, making the run off his shoulder. Alex Wobey slots it home on the ground. Pass to Bravka. Goodison goes bananas. Evertonians around the world lose their minds. We have some <laughs> amazing stories in our listener comments in a second. It was. Just the the swings and emotion you couldn't you couldn't write it it is why we love the sport it is why we love this club. it was sensational
1: yeah I mean literally we spend like three months watching losses uh, recording post matches constantly and it's all worth it for that five seconds of pandemonium as you said and I think what was interesting about that just to just to throw it back to um, kind of ryan's comments earlier in the show about playing Anthony Gordon in the middle and Alex Iwobi, right? In this sequence specifically, Alex Iwobi really did cut in the middle, and we saw his effectiveness driving through and playing off Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which I found to be um, quite ironic and interesting, to say the least.
0: Both had tremendous composure on this play, and that's what was needed. And it's late, and these guys are fighting. They're down. This is the 98th minute. Granted, they had a little bit of a break, thanks to Zip Tie man. But I I think Calvert-Lewin in particular he almost sauces it up a little. Like he felt so confident that he knew where it was going. He almost gave a little chip to it. And you could tell Awobi knew he was scoring the second he got over it because a keeper was far enough on one side and he knew he just had to hit it sharply and he hit it in and went and just looked up, I think at the park end and just kind of gave his little Awobi kind of logo, just stood there. And then Calvert-Lewin went right next to him and they both sat there like, kind of like, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, we just scored. We just won the game. Yeehaw and I'm, I just thought it was hysterical I mean I was losing my freaking mind it was unbelievable
2: I I just love any sports celebration where like the crowd's going ballistic and the player is just like you know mean mugs it a little bit or does like the stone cold I just think you know that's amazing I would be just what, like and like, Richarlison hold on I'm finished. go ahead
1: Alex no, I was just going to say where Charleston had been off for like ten minutes at that point, and yet he still joined the dog pile of celebrations.
2: It was so good. It, it, you know what? It it makes me think of because like you know I've watched Howard's way, watched plenty of old footage. Why do players not? They used to like score and like put their hands directly above their head and run around. No one does that anymore. I think this would have been the moment to whip that one out. I, I don't know what I would have done. I would have lost my mind. I,
0: I, granted me as a player would never have been in that situation so it wouldn't <laughs> matter. I've I've <laughs> played
2: enough FIFA in my day to know you go you do the dead fish. You just you do the flop on the ground. That's the move. You go right dead there. fish? Yeah, dead, dead fish. fish. You
0: wouldn't go to the corner flag and get it like the spinning roundhouse kick
2: or oh, just you don't want to dive you into the park end kick. maybe. Roundhouse kick would not uh, well, uh, I- make me look super athletic. I would probably be very clumsy. Would just
0: I would. Uh, well, I've seen. We've played before. You're a good athlete, but I, I would maybe just make the beeline and just dive into the park end. But then probably that's, no a that's a good fall move too. That's a follow my. But head, this works. You know, this was a good work. Yeah. Do the crowds. That's beautiful. Well, it's it had to feel good too. Let's be honest. Alex willoughby has been maligned. I still don't understand why he was taken out of the lineup to begin with. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, I just. That, that composure is what we've really needed. If we're not going to have too many chances, you know, you just need moments like that. It was a fantastic moment. I mean, the crowd was
2: nuts, and we're already so fired. It just was so perfect in many ways. And Frank, we haven't even talked about Frank, but Frank's reaction, too, was beautiful. You can tell how much he likes coaching here, how much he wants to win. The celebration, perfect you know, It's not quite the big dunk hugging the ball boy, but it is about as fired up as a you see a coach get in today's game.
0: And I thought he, he he did a good job having them coming out of halftime being organized, and I thought we were growing into the game. I,
1: I just felt like it was kind of justice was served, but man, he did go nuts, didn't he? Well, he said after the match in, in some of his interviews that he feels like he might have broken his hand. He's got a ginormous bruise on the top of his hand from celebrating, so that will be interesting. that's what the Everton main account tweeted that it said at the end here I have it Frank Lampard
0: says he broke his hand in the celebrations speedy recovery gaffer (laughs) what the heck I mean you're supposed to break your hand when you get mad punching a wall what in God how does that happen but he (laughs) I mean he was pumped and how could you not be that I mean Ancelotti probably been like
2: yes he would have sipped his coffee And it would have been so cool,
0: but that was fantastic, and and I'm glad that Frank reacted that way because how could you not? I will say this though, some of the minutes there at the end, including that corner they had in about the 14th minute, uh, 14 like you know they get 14 minutes of extra time, and you know at that point you're just totally incredulous at that point. But you when they put it up, you're like, oh no, that felt so long. And I just I know we scored a goal in that time period, so yes, maybe that adds an extra minute on. But especially with the Gordon sub kind of happening, and they finally blew the whistle. But there was a corner at one point. I was totally nervous about it. I don't understand sometimes why it goes on so long. And it was awful, too, because I remember in the first half, they blew the whistle off a corner when the ball came back out to us. And we were inside, like, the twenty. So how on earth do you not extend the play there, yet you extend the play against these guys in like the 17th minute of a 14 extra minutes?
2: It's conspiracy. Just, it's the conspiracy. I'll
0: tell you what, man. Sometimes you really think... I remember that Chelsea match many years ago when they had way past the extra five minutes, and I'm just sitting there totally incredulous, so angry about it because I knew it was an absolute cheat job. Um, I will say this, though. Something worth noting. Only four fouls for us in the second half. Now, part of it was us being behind the ball, But that discipline helped because if you think about the match, how you remember it, you know, we love to look at the numbers, but let's just go back memory. I don't remember feeling like I did in the first half about every set piece because there was such a momentum, so many of them in that relatively short 30 minute window. So that's good. That's a big improvement. My guess is Frank probably did give that message at halftime, I would think. Um, But yeah, that was an improvement. Um, Any last final thoughts before we start to get in kind of the final summary and Look at the XG and the table, too.
2: No, let's move into it. Let's just, because I do want to get to the listener comments at the end, because there's some really, really good ones. But we'll, of course I'm still do the fired summary. up, though. I'm still fired up. I am, too, man. Seriously. I like, am. I am just. This has been coming for so long. It's, like Alex said, we've been doing these pods all season. It's been kind of sucked at times, to be honest. Like, I have to get on after some of these matches and do a post match. But days like today make it all worth it. Now, when we take a step back and try to distance ourselves from the emotion of the moment a little bit. you look at that performance as a whole and you say, well, look, we got the win by no means. Was it pretty? I think definitely some good performances in there, but not necessarily something that, you know, maybe inspires a whole lot of confidence going forward. You look at the XG in the match, which again, one match is only so helpful, but relatively close Everton point six seven from the XG philosophy to Newcastle's 1.04. Um, Most of ours probably came in the second half. I don't think we had a great deal um, in the first half. But it's close enough where, you know, look, I think we still ended up deserving to win to fight through that adversity, a man down, to still manage to get a goal out of just really hard work and some quality in the exact right moment that we needed it.
1: Right. I mean, just at the end of the day, three points are absolutely necessary. Like, I think the players will feel pretty confident going away with three points especially after the adversity too i think that's a big part because you know i think you know one of the reasons why it just felt extra hard on the red card was the fact that we really did we were showing up at that point we were really working ourselves in the match after the majority of it um but the big takeaway here after the match when you look at the table is the fact that you know we're sitting in 17th place but we're not above the relegation zone only on goal differential um and essentially, you know, the big key is Burnley in 19th place are tied on matches played, but we've now got a good four-point gap. Otherwise, Watford and Norwich two games ahead, um, or we have two games in hand per se. So either way, I think things are looking a lot more positive, and another win anytime soon could see us jump up far more and feel a lot more comfortable, I think, as a club and as a fan base.
0: And the schedule's hard. It's going to be hard kind of in the immediate future, but I don't think that we're going to Spend too much time worrying about the FA Cup match. If we win, we win, whatever. Um, I know some people might be angry about that, but this is definitely the priority. We're one point behind Leeds and we've got two games at hand against them. That's something worth noting. Uh, Brentford is five away, two. I mean, anyone, you know, it's just a matter of stringing a couple wins together. That's it. And look, there are some chances. You know, we are playing a couple teams. I think the Burnley match really is the one that you look at and you say, we can get three points from that sucker vaulting us 28 and they'll have, you know, another game played. I mean, that, that, that could be, I mean, that's a seven point swing there in total difference between the two of us, the way we stand now, it can make all the difference in the world. But I will say this, if you looked at how Frank set up against man city, there's no reason why we can't also have some success and maybe sneak out a point here or there against some of these better sides. Um, i think frank probably learned a little bit about his team tonight too certainly i hope he learned to play certain people in certain ways um i don't know what you guys think before we get in player performances because a lot of them kind of stood out in good and bad ways
2: yeah i agree with that certainly both ends of the spectrum from our team tonight i mean Personally, after watching that first half, I was incredibly frustrated with Anthony Gordon. I thought, for the most part, he kind of flopped around and tried to do way too much with his head down. Um, gave the ball away a lot. Tried to dribble past people with very little success. And it it just kind of, you know, started to, to grow, or the thought started to grow in my mind. Like, look, I love this kid a lot. I hope he's a really great player for us, but we're in relegation scrap. and Like, we need guys to start showing up. And it felt like, to me you know, obviously he's a boyhood Evertonian. He feels that pressure, you know, they, they talked about in the pre-match, which we haven't even mentioned, you know, showing the players videos of fans. And, you know, like some of these players may kind of think, okay, this is like, I'm a professional. I'll do my job. Anthony Gordon is going to take that stuff like very much um, on the nose and like take it very personally because he knows his whole family, like everyone around him. He's grown up in this culture. It means a lot to him. So it's point being it's, frustrating to see him struggle but it's clear that i think you know he is just trying a little bit too hard to be the savior that he thinks everton need at the moment
0: he is working hard there's no question and he
2: was fired up and you need a little bit of that but
0: i also think he was kind of put in a position not to succeed by frank him and him and damari gray have some similar issues gray is a little more mature you know probably a little bit better use to the league and as a result has been maybe a little bit more productive, but they both have problems where they get their heads down too much, they get a little dribble heavy and they, you know, don't necessarily deal that well unless they've kind of gotten into space a bit. Uh, Gray's probably a little bit better in tighter spaces than Anthony Gordon Uh, and I think Putting Anthony Gordon in the middle just doesn't do him any service. I understood he came up that way a little bit, and I've had some conversations with scouts that that have watched him and said he was a li- he's a little bit of a different player now. But the bottom line is he had eight bad touches tonight. Eight bad touches. I mean, that's. I don't think we've had anyone that high. I feel like Richarlison had had a ton of turnovers the other day, but it was more it was being dispossessed as well. I don't think he had eight bad touches. Maybe I'm wrong, but that is a massive massive number and the diving was getting desperate at times but you can't argue his work ethic man he had three tackles he always works hard and and Damari Gray had three shots but he just kind of seems seems out of sorts and I think what probably happened was both those guys it was very crowded around them because we were attacking down that left side and and Gordon came over so far on that side and you know Anthony's not going to be great with his back to goal receiving it deep and then he's not quite strong enough to kind of create space with his own physicality and I think that's what you saw a little bit today his passing wasn't great he grew into the match a little bit late but I just think he's better served to play on the outside running direct at people and I don't I, I think playing them both one of those two in the middle I just don't think works I guess so I think that's part of it but yeah I think you're asking a little bit much for this guy to be playing 90 minutes every match and trying to carry us and he surely feels the pressure to do that like you said
1: Right, and I think, you know, Anthony Gordon definitely not necessarily his best match, but on the flip side, I do want to talk talk about a player I, I kind of mentioned earlier that I felt had a really, really good performance, and that was Alon, our man with the red card. Um, he was instrumental, I think. He had a key pass, a couple dribbles, a couple fouls one three for four of long balls, which I think Ryan mentioned in a previous episode. He's one of our better players playing the ball kind of forward and over the top, um, so we missed that last week for sure. 78% pass accuracy. Not amazing, but definitely up there. You know, it's a stable presence. Five tackles, two clearances, right? But here's the thing. Here's the stark contrast. Zero dispossessions, zero bad touches. He was an absolute midfield general today. Obviously, as we mentioned, he got pulled out, um, out of position sometimes a bit. But overall, I think it was a really good performance from him. And, and hopefully we can see uh, some of, a bit of the decision overturned so that he'll be back sooner rather than later. Yeah, and we had Robbie
2: Leatherbarrow, which is an unbelievably cool name. Yeah, Robbie uh, and I go
0: back and forth all the time. But that
2: is amazing. <laughs> like, who gets that name? God, you know? can I trade? At RWL uh, one forty one seventy two said, "Alon was playing well and seemed unlucky with the sending off." Totally, we've hit that the the horrible nature of that call into the ground, but we'll probably continue to talk about it on future episodes because that one will loom long in the memory. But yeah, Alon, huge loss. Hopefully we can appeal that red card and get it reduced. I don't feel great about it as, and neither does Frank Lampard, but we'll and see And that's what the happens. question
0: too, because like, I still think, and I could be wrong because they flip-flopped on this, like James and I were talking afterwards. I thought the way it works is the ban counts for all domestic matches, so ultimately he would miss. If, if they got it down to one, one game, He would miss the FA Cup match, the next one, which he probably wouldn't going to play in anyway. So that would be really important because Alex, to your point, you can see when he's got the ball deep, we're in control and he's dangerous enough to play it, play it by someone, dribble by someone or play it over the top. He's the one guy out there when we're in attack that isn't a total loss on the defensive end that can really solidify and take care of things. And man, he was fighting today. It's just too bad. He got sent off. Wasn't the only good performance, though. There were quite a few other ones as well.
1: I'll go ahead and call him out then. The man with the goal himself, Iwobiño, right? Obviously, he has the goal. He had two tackles, an interception, 81% pass completion rate, which was important, definitely as an attacking player as well, right? Who was the highest behind um, Damari Gray, who got yanked. So that's another important piece, too, because Iwobi was on for the entirety. One of two crosses. Um, He did play Coleman in once too. So it was a positive it was a positive match from him. And again, as we mentioned before, he was kind of off on an island for a lot of the match.
0: He was working hard, too. He was so important in the second half coming back to help Coleman with St. Maximum. And and he was physical tonight. I don't know what got into him. He actually felt like he almost cooked a couple cheap shots at people. He was playing with a little bit of an edge, a little bit of what we saw in Leeds. He was incredibly fired up after the goal, though. I mean, he was shot out of a cannon a couple times. Look, I've said it for a while. I just think when we need a little bit more control in a match, I think he's a better option. And he's a bit of a contrast between those other guys. He can hold the ball up a little bit. When he dribbles, it's not totally careless. Sometimes it's more for possession, especially when he's on the right side. And I think my only critique is it would have been nice for him to get the ball more or, or be more of a threat in a wider space to open them up a little bit. But, man, he he, he banged it
2: in when it mattered, and I'm really
0: happy for him for sure.
2: Yeah, really Great to see him getting praise from Evertonians in contrast to some of the, you know, just negativity that surrounded him. It's just been unfortunate since he's arrived. And look, so the performances haven't always uh, merited a ton of praise, but tonight he certainly earned it all um, and well-deserved. You know, we we got some great comments on him. Um, Another player who I was really thrilled with tonight, Asmir Begovic. He was uh, speaking post-match and said that he didn't really know he was even going to play until probably maybe even today, last night, with Jordan Pickford being ill. Came in and produced some huge moments uh, in terms of saves. His distribution was uh, pretty atrocious, but made the saves when it mattered, and Newcastle had some really solid chances. Six saves, came out, collected four balls, and had some um, had a punch clearance. That was also extremely important. Do you go back with Pickford now? <sighs>
0: Yeah, not trying to do a hot take here or anything, but I think at least in the circumstance today, his game is probably a little bit better fit knowing how many set pieces that we were, we had kind of given. Um, it's, and against Newcastle too, which obviously we know picks head kind of, I, I know, I remember Carlos at him one time for Newcastle yeah. for sure. Just. There's something to be said that a relegation battle is difficult from a mental standpoint, too. I would imagine Begovic definitely comes back and plays in the cup match. Kind of curious what you guys think. Obviously, if Pickford's not 100%, there's no problem with playing Begovic for sure. Um, especially if you're going to pack it in a little bit more and, and you're going to kind of push shots out from distance. He's probably a little better than Pickford, at least in dealing with those, as well as kind of crosses into the box. The distribution wasn't very good, though, from Begovic. It would be hard to give him credit for that. Not to pick a mag- magician with, with his foot skills, but um, certainly a little better, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, when the strategy is hoofball, it, or seems to be hoofball for large stretches, and he's just a lot of times clearing it. But you're right. I mean, if you you definitely get better distribution with Pickford. His passing range is, is better. But, I don't know. We haven't seen a whole lot of Begovic. We obviously saw him uh, ice cold in the Florida Cup penalty shootout, but... And then, you know, the, the odd appearance here and there throughout the season, but it could be nice. You know, we've seen last season with Robin Olsen coming into the fray, it really kind of forced Pickford to up his game. Maybe we do need a little bit of that competition in the number one slot to, uh, you know, produce the best out of both players. I think the guys in
0: front yeah. of played pretty well tonight, though. I mean, you got to give them credit as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thought, it really could go either way, but the only thought I have is with Dominic Calvert-Lewin coming back, does that affect your game plan? Does Pickford's ability to launch the ball forward affect whether he starts or not over, you know, the fact that Begovic can come for the ball on a corner or a set piece? I think it does a little
0: bit. I think, you know, look, one goal at this point in the season can make all the difference in the world, and Pick every now and then nails one of those long balls and, and breaks someone out. Um, but I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see and see how he recovers, um, Rumor is he has COVID. I don't know if anything's really come out for that, but that obviously affects people all sorts of different ways. But yeah, the guys in front of him played great though. Michael Keane coming back into the lineup, especially after conceding a set piece last week, I, I couldn't help but think, I mean, I was just very frustrated with Mason Holgate last, last match. Um, so I was happy to see Michael Keane was a little surprised at Holgate played, but it did allow Bameen to kind of solidify us defensively, even though he's kind of pointless going forward. um, Ben Godfrey. Did I say that wrong? I did, didn't I? Yes. You
2: said Bameen. Bameen, right. Bameen yeah. on the brain.
0: No, no. I mean, he's been really good in Russia. That's about it. No, uh, what I meant was Ben Godfrey that solidified kind of the full other one, at least one side of the fullback equation. Keen had nine aerials, one, but led the team by a mile, six clearances, one tackle, one interception, four of seven long balls. We've seen his distribution almost go to a new level this year. Uh, Joanna Jones at Joanna P. Jones. Michael Keane, man of the match for me tonight. Solid. Thought he was fantastic, particularly in such a big game, when the shouts of Keane should never wear an Everton shirt, again, had been strong, made up for him. Yeah, I I think the criticism for Michael Keane's been totally over the top. You're asking him to do some things maybe he's not comfortable with, but today I thought he was very good and smart and organized in the back. There were a couple deflected balls that could have been handballs and put him in, in jeopardy. He showed a lot of composure. And he clearly wasn't feeling real well the other night. And him and Holgate together do kind of, at times, show a decent pair. But, yeah, kudos to
2: Michael Keene. I thought he was excellent tonight. Completely agree. And completely agree on the criticism. We said it on the pod. Um, he has one bad game. He makes a few, few mistakes. And Not to say there's only been one bad game. He's had a lot of bad games. But people forget he also shows up big in a lot of matches and plays like an absolute monster in the air. Nine aerials is crazy. I don't think anyone else had more than four. Um, and I think that was Richarlison and someone else in the midfield. Um, Incredible performance from him. Mason Holgate was... I was ready to get on Mason Holgate's back early when I saw him starting to fire some of those long balls. But I think he settled into the match and was largely pretty composed. Ended with six clearances and a blocked shot, um, which was important. I don't think he stood out to me and you know he didn't stand out to me in any bad way which is I guess good for him I thought for the most part he did his job and um you know was was effective enough and and didn't let anything get past him and that's always a good sign for for a center back
0: yeah look the bottom line is that they did create more than us I think in terms of volume but we still hung in there and the guys deserve credit for it Uh, but look the story of the match still was the goal And the red card and all the drama and some of the listener comments in terms of what kind of happened during those moments, you're right, are very funny. This first one is awesome and hysterical, by the way.
1: Mike Sprog at Mike Sprog. My poor wife was holding the cat when we scored. She's now bleeding from several puncture wounds. Don't tell her I said it's worth it. Totally agree, Mike. It was definitely worth it.
2: That's amazing. We then had Christian Polanco, friend of the show from The Cooligans at Chris Polanco. Premier League refs. Never look at the monitor when they should. This time they look at it when they should not. Baffling decision, but incredible of Coleman to win that ball back that led to the goal. lot of heart shown even after going down a man. Huge victory. Christian, dare I say heart, dare I say spirit, once again, totally agree. Well, and then we have Dr. Death Steve Williams,
0: at Steve M. Williams. That one's for Astro. No one's going to know who Dr. Death Steve Williams is anyway. Pro wrestling history. His comment... And he tweeted at me, too, uh, about this later. Alex Iwobi had his critics, but the quality on the goal, the movement on the goal, the calmness on the goal, just brilliant. Also worked so hard. think he's been unlucky not to be in the side last few weeks. Brilliant. There was one moment today where Alex cut on the inside and he has his head up the whole time when he dribbles, which is very opposite than kind of Gordon and Gray. But they're different type of players. Alex is not a goal scorer. Those guys are. So sometimes they're focused on, can I get my shot off? Which is fine, right? It takes different types. No one was moving. It was infuriating, and, and, and we saw it last year at times, too, when a bunch of guys got hurt, where he would just have the ball and everyone's kind of staring at him. But you do need someone that can move. Um, yeah, and, and look, that had to be, it had to be emotional for him, that goal. I mean, that had to be massive. He seems like his spirits have been lifted up. That Leeds match, he was so good in, and I think Goodison really... He kind of won them over at least that day. Hopefully people can give it a rest a little bit and stop complaining. I still have many comments in there. Get a Wobie off the pitch like he did anything wrong at all to merit him leaving the pitch, for heaven's sakes, more than some of the other people. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was emotional, man. I I like DL's comment here, too. It's got a little Alex in here, too, but that moment, you know, that moment was just so massive, and I, I, I was emotional, too.
1: Yeah, D.L. Barks at Everton Barks. I can't, man. Can't right now. I'm crying, excited, still nervous as if the game isn't over. Alex Iwobi, you beautiful man. Please, for the love of God, Frank, just play Iwobi in the middle and get him on the ball the rest of the season. I think everyone can agree. Amen, D.L. Barks. I
2: love that. And then we had Sean Khan at King Khan 225 also of our Discord. What a win. The first 45 were U11 quality, but we started <laughs> to show some good play. Until the worst red card I've ever seen. I absolutely loved the fight after, and you could tell they were still giving everything, and the Awobi goal was incredible. Absolute euphoria and badly needed.
0: Yeah, and I can definitely relate to this next one. Nicholas Shrimp at Cry Havoc 44. That's pretty solid. Screamed so loud when Awobi scored, my neighbor had to check on me because they almost called the cops darn near shed a tear at the full-time whistle fans were amazing the players showed they cared let's go and honestly if you didn't feel that way i i almost feel bad for you because man i was so emotional about it too i just i just couldn't believe it i'm gonna jump one too only because james put an amazing tweet out there with the woebee that's why i keep making the jokes about the pangolin and a woebee from the wild aid you know commercial james uh it was something about like we should put a statue of these guys because Georgie um, from one of one of our West Coast brethren here. Awesome article on him and his barber shop in PremierLeague.com. I think is what it's on. His comment: a Wobi statue if we stay up. Maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit on this, but it, it, it's been a nice redemption. Uh, but yes, if we are going to do a statue, I think the penguin should
2: be part of. It. T- totally agree. I mean, the shot I tweeted it out, so you can go check. If you haven't seen the commercial, a hey, you just need to look
0: It's at it. ridiculous. It is
2: the most preposterous and nonsensical thing of all time, but it's just amazing because it's Alex Wobian. It's for a good cause. So anyway, we had uh, Alan Brody, longtime listener, longtime friend of the show, at Brody and MD. I hope Alan's well because he said, I, sustain, I sustained <laughs> seven heart attacks in the last 30 minutes of the game. Man of the match, Goodison fans, to overcome such dreadful calls and fairly listless play. This three points feels like six that it does alan that it does i could not agree more um that does it for our listener comments we did of course already mention the fact that lampard broke his hand in the post-match celebrations i don't know if that's you think he he consulted the medical staff on that or is that a self-diagnosis from frank there
0: it depends on what seems like a self-diagnosis oh it depends what he broke his hand on you know if he maybe just jumped his fist in the air and hit Duncan Ferguson in the jaw and thus he broke his hand, which is probably what would happen if he hit Duncan Ferguson, maybe that could be <laughs> it. Uh, by the way, my favorite, and I had to add this one at the, at the bottom of our document, Adam Jones, at Adam underscore Jones 94, um, our esteemed colleague, um, writer extraordinaire. His comment here I think is pretty funny. Hey, he didn't ask the question is what he said, but he still wrote it out there because I could tell he couldn't help himself. Eddie Howe, when asked if he's a little bit happy tonight, being a Boyhood Everton fan, no, absolutely not. Whoever asked that question has to have uh, some serious cones, as we would say in certain parts of the United States of, of America and South. Uh, wow. can you, I mean, if you're Eddie Howe and someone so asks good. you that, I mean, you'd be tempted. He's a dirty yeah, he liar. You almost had two managers that walked away with a broken hand because that would have been (laughs) hard to kind of keep yourself contained, you know?
2: I think he prefers those types of questions than questions about uh, his complicity in Newcastle's new ownership. I think he'll take that one any day of the week.
0: Newcastle's new ownership? Is that what?
2: Yeah, haven't you heard? Hey, the back post uh, is really not not controversial.
0: Head over there. Yeah. That's right. We we zip tied to one. See, if they would have gotten two, they could have made even more noise. You you laugh. We're going to see this like every every match for Newcastle. Now you watch. Watch next match. Someone else is going to jump on there. And oh, I'm thinking about that now. Oh, dear Lord. I mean, I I can't. They're just going to see.
2: They're going to see if they can every every week. They try to break the record for most stoppage time. You know, it's so sad.
0: I mean, you guys know that I know some of the guys in that club, and they're really sweet guys, like really good guys that are well intended, total Geordies, but like legitimately good people. And I I haven't talked to them in weeks. I just kind of wonder how it's you got to feel a little conflicted. So I understand Eddie Howe's probably tired of asking the questions, but I don't know what else you do. I mean, you you almost just got to keep deflecting, right? Because nothing you say is going to be helpful. So I, I, he's in a tough I don't, I didn't say I feel good or bad for him. I'm just saying he's in a tough spot.
2: He's in a tough spot. Um, I mean, at this point, you look at the the bigger clubs around Europe, and uh, there aren't a whole f- lot who don't have any skeletons in their closet. I guess let's put it that way. There's certainly some uh, owners who have acquired the funds uh, by less than, uh, let's say, not totally on the up and up there, but enough on Newcastle. Let's focus on Everton, and let's wrap things up here with our man of the match for each of us. Uh, I'm going to go first because I don't want mine stolen like it usually is. And I'm going to switch things up because I think you guys will do something a little different. But I'm going Begovic. I think Begovic's saves, we could easily have been down 2-0 and never even had the opportunity. The red card could have just been the final nail in the coffin. I think the way he played in terms of the saves and being able to be active in the box was so critical. It was great to see given I was a little bit nervous with him coming in in such a massive game. But he looked composed. Looked really reassured, and uh, he's my man of the match personally. What about you, Alex?
1: Yeah, no, actually, that's a, that's a really good shout for Begovic as well. I was really impressed by him. I've got to go, Alon, which is probably not surprising, but again, I thought he did a really good job in the middle of the pitch. All things considered, obviously, it's it's not even a sympathy man of the match for the red card either. I'll, I'll go on record to say that too. Um, but overall, a good good uh, a good match for him, and hopefully, he'll be back soon. What about you, Ryan?
2: You know we've queued you up just so perfectly for this, so don't swing and miss. I hope that you guys were going to pick a Woby
0: so I wouldn't feel pressured to do it. Have <laughs> I ever picked him as man of the match? I think I have once. Yeah, Maybe. you have for sure. I tend to avoid it because you laugh whenever he does something good because I always defend the guy. Everyone thinks I'm like his number one fan. You are. People always tweet at me. I'm not. I <laughs> I mean, again, I appreciate the pangolin. That's it. No, I. I everyone tweets at me. It drives me crazy because I just <laughs> defend him because I feel like he's been mistreated.
2: Uh, Michael Keane? Oh, he did it. All right, well, then I'm revising look, mine and picking a will because I was trying to. No, okay, well, you know me. I have to be objective and,
0: and you know, I, I think Keane maybe was more important to us yeah, th- today or Begovich. But, look, I, I think the inspirational man, the, the emotional side of us since we're not thinking today we're feeling with their hearts or whatever the heck silliness that you said up front that I just can't relate to at all. Uh <laughs> says Alex Iwobi and I think all of us I think that's that's the story. You know, the feel good kind of moment of the match and I just couldn't be happier for him. I can't be happier for us. Thank the good Lord above for Alex Iwobi. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's we it. don't we haven't got to do too many of these pods after a win. This one was very fun and hopefully enjoyable. Feels good. Enjoyable. Hopefully enjoyable good. for everyone to listen to. It does feel good indeed. What would also feel good is if we go to Crystal Palace on Sunday with a depleted squad or a week inside and still somehow manage to get ourselves into the final. We shall see how that goes. Big question marks, but we'll be with you following that match. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you very much if you want to do us Another massive favor, please do subscribe to the show and leave us a rating on your platform of choice. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find all of the links at linktr.ee slash USA Pod. That's L-I-N-K T R.ee slash Toffee Pod. That will be in the description as well. Otherwise, hope you all enjoyed that one. How could you not if you have a pulse? We'll be with you next time. Until then, up the toffees.